Um, I'm Beth, and it's such an honor to be able to bring you the next part of our Mark series um, today. I'm going to start off with the passage, so if you do like to read along in your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from Mark 7, verse 1 to 15, but it will also come up on the screen for you. <laughs> the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, and that's Jesus we're talking about. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs that they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders, instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? He answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching doctrines as human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold to human tradition. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honour your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever you might have received from me is Corbin, that is an offering devoted to God, you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many other similar things. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So I don't know about you, but when I read these passages where it's like Jesus and the, the Pharisees, um, I can have a real us and them mentality. Like, I'm the follower of Jesus, I'm on his side, and they're the Pharisees, and they just don't get it. Um, and Jesus, who's on my side, is coming to tell them that they're wrong. Yeah? <laughs> um, we, we tend to paint the Pharisees as these baddies. Um, in the picture. So, um, but today, God was really challenging me. Am I really so different from a Pharisee? You see, some, as Christians, sometimes we paint these Pharisees with this picture. This was the picture that came up online when I typed in Pharisee. <laughs> we see them as these really bad people, and some of them were bad people. Some of them were um, authoritarian, legalistic, um, leaders who just didn't have very much to do with God. However, there were many who were actually genuine religious conservatives that dedicated their lives to following the traditions that they believed honoured God. You know, they weren't so different from you and me. They were doing what they believed was right and that God required of them. So I wonder if today, rather than seeing the Pharisees as the baddies, you might come with me on a journey in putting ourselves in the shoes of the Pharisees 
and seeing what we can learn from them and seeing what maybe Pharisee-like behaviors we might have inside us. So I'm going to bring out three points about the Pharisees today that I think we can learn from. The first is that I want to focus on that the Pharisees prioritize their traditions and their beliefs. So as we begin the passage, we see that uh, the Pharisees are challenging Jesus because the disciples are not washing their hands before eating. Now, a lot of the time in the Bible, it can be really difficult to work out the culture and what's going on in the story because it was so long ago um, and there's lots of things we don't get because of the cultural differences. But I found that this wasn't one of them. (laughs) Put your hand up if over the last couple of years you have washed your hands more than you have done ever before. (laughs) Now, a bit of honesty here. Put your hands up if you have secretly judged somebody else because they've not washed their hands properly or for long enough. (laughs) Yeah? And some honest people in the room. (laughs) You see, hand washing has become a really important part of our lives over the last couple of years. But the Pharisees weren't concerned with stopping the spread of COVID. The Pharisees believed that they needed to wash because they could basically become contaminated by the sin of the outside world. Like the people that they came across in day-to-day life would almost put that sin on them. And washing meant that they would, they would be clean from that sin before they go into um, eating or praying or, or doing something with God. They would be seen as clean. And they believed that they were doing what was right and what God had commanded them to do. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 30, verse 17 to 21, God gives instructions to Moses of what must be done before entering the tabernacle as a priest. The Lord spoke to Moses, make a bronze basin for washing and a bronze stand for it. Set it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons must wash their hands and feet from the basin. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister by burning a food offering to the Lord, they must wash with water so that they will not die. They must wash their hands and feet so they will not die. This is a permanent statute for them, for Aaron and his descendants throughout their generations. So over the years, the Jews were trying to follow this law that God had commanded. However, they had added a few helpful pieces of advice to help the Jewish people to follow the law in different circumstances. And as this law was passed down from generation to generation, a little bit like Chinese whispers, the law had changed slightly. (laughs) And it had become something that included all the Jewish people instead of just priests. And it became something that included eating and praying not just sacred rituals in the tabernacle. And the Pharisees held to this tradition so much that they'd actually kind of lost the point of the original law. The tradition had become more important to them than God's law. I wonder if there are traditions and beliefs that we have added to our Christian lives with well-meaning intentions, ways that we believe that Christians should act, ways that the church should be run, 
that have become so important to us or embedded in our beliefs that actually they become a barrier to us being able to experience everything that the Holy Spirit has for us as ourselves and as a church. And when we say traditions, maybe some of you might picture more traditional churches, you know, the conservative churches, and we don't do things like that in Seafree. <laughs> but I wonder about, what about your tradition and belief about music style in the church? Or the way the sermon should be structured? Or maybe your preference of preacher? <laughs> you know, I, it might just be me, but I think we get caught up in these details quite a lot as Christians. I personally, I love modern worship. Um, if it was up to me, we'd be having modern worship, lights, smoke machines, you know, everything. Um, that's my preference, and that's something that I think is great for the younger generations and getting them in. There are other people that really enjoy the older songs um, because they remind them of a time when God has moved in their lives or in the church. You know, neither of us is wrong. But it's when it becomes about the details and not about the Holy Spirit that we have a problem. didn't flip my page quick enough. <laughs> so maybe, oh, sorry, it's when we come home from church and what mood we're in is determined by whether they played the right music or whether they did what we thought should happen in the church service. Instead of, did God meet with us today? What did God tell us today? Um, and it's not just church. It's our lives in general. Maybe we have ideas about how things should happen at work. Maybe we know what works and we don't want to change it from how we do it at work. Um, maybe we're the type of people that go in and think we can do everything better um, and want to change everything and make it more efficient. But do those beliefs get in the way of us loving and serving our colleagues? How important are they to us? Do they take priority over our service to God? Or maybe it's how we act as Christians. You know, throughout our lives, we may choose to avoid certain places or um, do certain things to help us with our, our relationship with God. Um, we might avoid certain drinking or, or smoking or whatever it is that we think helps us to maintain our relationship with God. And those things are really, really great and, and great things to do. My parents were from the generation where going to the cinema was something that should be avoided um, because the cinema was worldly and it might influence you in a bad way. Um, and that was a great thing that... The, the church's heart was to protect them from, from going astray from their faith. And it was done with well-meaning intentions. But unfortunately, that intention became a law. And it got to the point where the pastor would come and pick them up from the queue if they were seen in the <laughs> queuing for the cinema. And we laugh now, but I wonder what are our things today that we hold on to? that maybe we think other people should be holding on to. You know, today my sermon is called, Where's Your Heart At? And I think that's the point. My first challenge is, where are our hearts at with our traditions and beliefs? 
These things are not bad things. They're good things. But when, when they take priority over the Holy Spirit, when they take priority over what God wants to do in our lives, that's when we find difficulty. So maybe there are things we might need to deprioritize in our lives in order to let God do some work in us today. The second thing I want to point out about the Pharisees was that they were doing the right things, but with the wrong intentions. Now, in verses 10 to 13, we see that Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees for doing something called Corban. Now, Corban literally means offering. So to make a vow of Corban was to make an offering to God of all your money. Offering our finances to God is a good thing. You know, it means that the church can run. It means that the church can support um, different people in need. It, in many ways, we can glorify God with our finances. So what's the problem here? Why is Jesus so angry about it? And what's it got to do with parents? You see, the Corbin vow meant that even though your money was devoted to God, you could still use it personally. How good is that? <laughs> so it could be used for personal use, but you just couldn't give it to anybody else. Okay? And in a culture where at the time you were expected that you would look after your elderly parents, when they became elderly, you would look after them, you would support them, some of the Jewish people were using this Corbin vow as an excuse to kind of relinquish that responsibility to their parents so that they didn't have to financially support them. Um, what was really bad about this vow was it was irrevocable. So once you'd made this vow of Corbin, you couldn't change your mind. If you're, you repented and, and decided, actually, you know, I, I do want to help my parents, you weren't allowed. So this thing that initially started off as this amazing way of glorifying God and, and devoting your finances to God became a way of breaking the law and the commandment of honor your father and mother. And I wonder if there are good things in our lives that we do sometimes with the wrong intentions. Um, you will know we are, we are reading the Bible devotionals all together at the moment as a church. Um, so those of you who know what I'm on about will know what I'm on about. There's a tick box. So once you've done it, you can tick it off. <laughs> now, I'm going to have a bit of honesty time here. Who here has ever used one of these devotionals, read the devotional for five minutes, not really paid attention to the Bible verse, and just carried on with your day and ticked the box feeling good? Look, my connect group are honest here. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's really easy to do, isn't it? How about who here has ever felt good about themselves because they turned up to church lots of weeks in a row? <laughs> Just me? No? Okay. <laughs> what about the giving up your time to help someone else? Anyone ever felt good about themselves for doing that? You know, these things are good things. They are things that help us in our walk with God. They are things that God requires us to do. Um, 
they're not bad things, but they need to be done for the right reasons. When our reason for reading a devotional becomes about ticking the box rather than supporting our prayer and Bible reading, we've missed the point. When our ministry or helping others becomes about feeling good in ourselves or looking good to others, we've missed the point. We take the focus off God and we put it on ourselves. So, when our, uh, where are our hearts when it comes to serving God? What are our intentions behind our actions? Do we need to get back to why we started doing those things in the first place? To honour God, to serve God. My final point about the Pharisees is that they believed that they could be made clean through washing. The whole point about them washing themselves was they believed that sin was something that could be put on them from the outside world. And as a result, they could wash it off before they ate and, and in, inhaled it into their bodies. But Jesus challenged this idea. He tells them it's not what goes into their bodies that makes them unclean, but what comes out of their hearts that determines how clean they are. You see, we're all human. And we naturally turn to evil. When we read about Adam and Eve, the first people in the Bible, we see that even with all the good that God gives us, there's still part of us that chooses evil. And if that evil is left undealt with, it says in verses 21 to 23 that sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly can be allowed to fester within our hearts. And as a result, they come out in our actions and become the cause of pain to other people around us. But the good news is that Jesus died to set us free from the hold of all these things. It's through him that our hearts can be made clean. And when we let Jesus into our lives, the Holy Spirit is allowed to work in our hearts and transform us from within. You see, the Pharisees would never let Jesus into their hearts. So they would never, ever be able to be truly clean. And maybe we've made the decision to let Jesus into our hearts today, and that's brilliant. But I wonder if there are parts of our hearts where we're not letting him into Parts where we maybe don't want him to see. Parts where we've allowed anger or lust or greed or anything else to fester where they don't belong. Are there parts that are just too painful to let him into? These parts cannot be healed or made clean unless we truly let him work inside of them. Or maybe you've never made the decision to let Jesus into your life. Maybe you want to let him into your heart today. And if that's you, we would love to pray with you as you begin that incredible relationship with him. So where's your heart at? Are there beliefs or traditions that you need to deprioritize or let go of in order to experience everything that God has for you? Where are our hearts at when it comes to serving and doing good things? 
What are our intentions behind our actions? And does Jesus have our whole heart? Are there parts we need to give him, give back to him today? We're going to pray. Lord, we thank you that you died to set us free from all sin and all shame. That it is through you we can be made clean. Lord, I pray that if there's anything in our hearts that is hindering our relationship with you, that you would just highlight it to us now and let your Holy Spirit work in us to change our hearts from within. Lord, we give you our whole hearts today. Amen. So as we enter a time of worship now, I would just encourage you, encourage us, and me included, to just do some heart analysis today. Maybe there's things that the Holy Spirit's prompting you on today, parts of the heart that he's asking you to give to him. Maybe there's things in your life you know have become your priority and you just need to do some prioritizing with God today. Maybe you want to give your heart for the first time to God. And if that's you, why don't you just take some time in this last song to do that?